You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Father, I pray today, I'm asking that as we get into this word, Lord, that you would remove every insecurity, every mindset that isn't of you, and you would set us free, Lord, from your truth. And Lord, we thank you for this, and we give you praise for everyone that will be saved and set free in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll turn to someone and say, I'm ready now. I want to minister to you this morning on the topic, Attack the Lack. How many have noticed that in America today, there's a lot of lack? There's a lack of love. There's a lack of hope. And there's a whole lot of lack of faith. And so I want to talk about this topic today because I know we've all been through many, many different trials and we're all kind of pandemic, wore out, if you know, know the feeling. And I believe that you need to attack the lack of love, attack the lack of hope, and attack the lack of faith that seems to have get, has come upon America. You know, this summer I had a problem with bees in my house. Not in the house, they were outside. And I learned something about bees. You don't go on vacation and come back and think they'll be gone. They multiply so fast. And I believe that if you don't attack these things, they accelerate. And they'll really cripple your faith and really take the buzz out of your life. Amen? So I want to start with this truth. Look with me to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 11 and 13. And uh, let, me, let me just say it. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste without ha- inhabitants, the houses are without a man, and the land is utterly desolate. And the Lord has removed men far away and forsaken the places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it, and I will return and be, and be for consuming as a terebinth tree and as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down so now watch this a holy seed shall be its stump say stump this is a particular prophecy that tells us something about God's nature whenever we go through adversity and trials and whatever God out of his sovereignty will always leave enough for you to get another breakthrough He'll always leave enough or he'll leave what's left over that seems like it's not enough, but it's more than enough to bring the breakthrough and the victory in your life. Because see, here's what I'm dealing with a lot of you. You know, you've been through divorce and you feel like there's nothing left in you. You've been through some financial crises and you feel like I got nothing left. Man, my, my retirement's gone. It's messed up. And that's kind of where you're at. But God wants you to know today that what is left is enough. God always leaves enough that is left that you can replenish, you can rebuild, you can restart, you can rehire. Come on. He always leaves enough in your trial it may be a stump but it's enough to grow something back it's enough to bring it back see this is something that people don't realize that God is sovereign 
and God won't let us be tempted beyond what we could take and God always provides a way of escape so if God didn't provide enough to get a breakthrough then he wouldn't be provided a way of escape and he wouldn't give us deliverance over everything that we face and so God even though he may allow it we may be down to the very minimal but it's enough to make it happen it's enough to change your marriage it's enough to bring you over the top it's enough to cause you to succeed it's, a co- it's enough to cause your savings to come back abundantly in Christ Jesus when you read the Bible, you can find many incidences of this. The story I like the most is Job. Job was called one of the wealthiest men or the greatest men of the East. And during his trial, he lost all of his wealth and his children. And uh, the tents and the buildings and all the stuff that went with it, it was all devastated. But he didn't lose everything. He didn't lose his life, he didn't lose his wife. Or she was kind of a problem child but he didn't lose his wife and he didn't lose four servants remember out of every one of the little trials there was always one survivor always one guy to bring the bad news amen so he has four servants a wife who's negative and his own life but it was enough to give him double portion and it's enough to give you double portion you may say pastor you have no idea what a loss I used to have love in my heart I used to be open I used to love with all you know I used to really give myself up but I can't do it anymore I've lost all that I went through this trial I've been burned so bad I'm just down to the very minimum I'm telling you're a stump right now but the Holy Ghost wants to bring something out of you and cause you to ride in high places and cause you to excel hallelujah because he always leaves enough I love the story of the the woman she was had the the you know the bill collectors come and they were going to take her children her young boys and make them work for seven years to pay off the debt and she goes to the prophet the prophet says what do you have in your house and she said all I got is a cruise of oil that's all she had that's all that was left there wasn't no bagels there was no chili there was no noodles and spaghetti all she had was a cruise of oil and that was enough that God caused that thing to flow so much that it not only paid off her debt it did more than pay off her debt it did something supernatural and powerful and that was this it gave her enough money to pay off the debt and to live off for the rest of her life with her boys at home someone ought to say God got enough you're not real enthusiastic at this service I'm telling you that whatever you've been through God in his sovereignty always makes sure that you have enough to get a fresh start you got enough to build another life that is better and more supernatural than you've ever had in your life now I want to talk about something connected with this that will help you in this area because you know we can't we can't deal with this lack in our lives unless we deal with the right things there's something that go that happens sometimes when you go through a trial you go through the trial and in the midst of the trial you begin to develop what i call a victim mindset 
a victim mindset. And if you're not careful, you begin to believe this. You begin to believe that I am where I am today because of everyone else's decisions. I couldn't have done better because I didn't have a helping hand. I couldn't succeed because I wasn't in the right family. I couldn't make it because they never gave me a break on my job. And you begin to develop this victim mentality where you blame everybody for what's going on in your life. I'm going to give you some revelation today. We've all had things terrible happen to us. The Bible said that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Just things happen. But I want you to know that if you develop that victim mentality, your faith is going to become too small. You got to cast it out. Let me give you the revelation that will cast it out. Are you ready for the revelation? Let me, t- re- re- let me tell you the story that will help you understand this. You remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was the favorite in the family, he had all these brothers, and he had a coat of many colors. His dad really favored him. And he has a dream one night that he's going to be ruling over his brothers and over everyone. He shares it with his dad, and his dad thinks he's being cocky or prideful. Shares it with his brothers, and they start to think about him getting madder and madder and madder and madder and madder until they begin to plot a plot to have him murdered. Now, his youngest brother stopped that, but they were intending to kill him. So when he went out to the field to see him one day, they took him and beat him up and threw him down into a pit and then waited for a caravan to come by and they sold him into slavery. He's free. He's free. But now he's a slave. Now I suppose in the pit, pit, he could have started feeling sorry for himself and started to say to himself, this isn't just fair. Think how far I would be if my brothers hadn't been so mean to me. To think of what I would have accomplished if this hadn't happened to me. But he didn't do that. He gets sold into slavery and then he goes to Potiphar's house and he's just a servant there. But he says, you know, I'm just going to trust God in this. And, and he began to serve and serve and serve as under the Lord. And the Lord promoted until he was in charge of the whole household, which was extremely wealthy. But then someone made a decision, a woman, that I got the hots for Joseph. And because he works for me, he won't say anything to my husband. So he tries to seduce Joseph, but Joseph resisted. You know the story. He does what most men should do, flee. He didn't negotiate with her. Oh, let's talk about it. No, flee. Run, guys. Run. Help me out. Come on, guys. Jump into this. Flee. Anyway, he, he, she gets upset, blames him, says that she was trying to have his way with her. She's so mad. So Potiphar throws him in jail. Now, through all these incidences, he could have sat back and said, you know, it's just not fair. I worked so hard at that house, and I can't believe that, the, the, you know, her, her husband believes me over his wife. He knows she's loose lily. <laughs> Think about where I would have been if this wouldn't have happened. I am a steward of all this wealth. Think about where I would have been if that hadn't happened. 
Anyway, he ends up in jail, and, and you know the story. In the jail, there, there was someone there that he interprets a dream for, and he was so blessed by it, he said, you know, I'll go ahead and tell the Pharaoh about your ability. Then forgets about him for two years. My point is this. Joseph had all the reason in the world to have a victim mentality. I am where I am because of other people's decisions. I can't help it if I'm in that place. It's their fault. If they would have done this, I would have been that. But he didn't do that. And when his brothers came to town because they needed, they needed supplies during a great famine, uh, he did something very extraordinary. He began to weep in their presence and reveals to them that he is their brother. At that point, they're terrified. This guy has so much power, he could have them beheaded just like that. And they're terrified. And this is the revelation that, that he had, that, he, that God gave him to help us. He says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah, there's things that have happened to us that are evil and they're wrong and they're frustrating and I don't like it. I don't like it when someone talks about me behind my back. I don't like it when someone passes you over. I don't like it when something is done to you that was just wrong. You should have got the promotion. You should have got the break. Come on, I don't like it. But the reality is I'm still under God's authority. And God will take everything, everything that comes at you. And if you keep in faith, he'll turn it all together for the good. But if you get a victim mentality, that won't happen at all in your life. We're going to say, Lord, thank you. I trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. You know what I'm talking about, all of you. Think of where you'd been if you hadn't been through your divorce. Think about where you'd been if that person hadn't taken advantage of you and taken money from you. But my truth is that God was never taken by surprise. And that his word will still work, but it won't work if we blame everyone else for where we're at we got to trust God that God is bigger than the trial, bigger than the disappointment, bigger than the health issue, bigger than that. And God can bring to pass all these wonderful blessings into your life and bless you overflowing. But you got to trust him. you got to trust him. I'm like you. I've had many people take great advantage of me. And you often think, what would happen if that had never happened? But the truth is, the vision that God gives you is never stopped by those things. It actually becomes the process in which the stamping stone works and God promotes you. Joseph never would have ended up in Egypt if his brothers hadn't did what they did. He ended up in the right place at the right time. Amen? Now, I want to give you something. This will really help because, you know, I'm talking here about 
attacking the lack and you attack the lack by renewing your thinking in line with what the word says and in causing an increase of love, an increase of hope, an increase of faith in your life. And if you do that, you will in fact win. But remember when you're talking about this, you're talking about the process of sowing. Two verses I want to give you. Once in Galatians it says, do not be deceived, whatever you sow you shall reap. That can be taken in a positive light, take it in a negative light, either one. But what I want you to hear today is this, that whenever you sow a good word, sow a word of encouragement, sow a word of love, sow a word of action of love, whenever you do that, you always reap far more than what you sowed. It's true about evil as well as good. Let me show you the verse. Hosea. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. Look what it says. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. They stalk has no bed, and it shall never produce meal. And if it should produce, aliens will swallow it up. He's saying, he's talking about sin here. You sow to the wind, and what did you reap? A tornado, a whirlwind. It's always more than what you sow. So when you're encouraging your kids and telling them that they can do all things that God has called them to do, that is going to do more than produce that one statement in them. It will grow more and more and more and more. Just like if you tell somebody they're stupid, it'll do more than just what you said. It'll, they'll, the, the reaping will come back even more. So it's a good thing every morning just tell your wife how beautiful she is. Tell your wife how she's virtuous, how she is the love of your life and how she's such a blessing to the kids and how she's so gifted and skilled and, and age hasn't affected her at all. And I'm trying, I'm trying. Come on, all you ladies, help me out. Come on, come on, help me out. Help me out, ladies. Or your husband comes home and you, and you encourage him and say, honey, I really appreciate all the hard work that you do for us. I, uh, I just wanted to tell you that you are my man. You are the stud. You look as good as you did when you were 20. Amen. I realize you started with a six-pack and ended up with a keg, but you still look good come on come on give God praise see the, the, the part that I want you to see from this is that these things accelerate when we sow love it comes back more than we sow when we sow a compliment it comes back more than we than we initially sowed I, I, I today it was a great reminder of me I had several people come up and tears in their eyes and said pastor you know I came here years ago and the Lord set me free and, and it's just something you, that you, you take for granted and go, well, that was just a, a simple thing I preached or a simple prayer that I prayed, but it comes back bigger. So if you want to attack the lack in your life, start sowing the right seed. Everything produces the Genesis law. Everything produces after its own kind. If you don't like the kind of stuff happening in your life, sow the right fruit, and that fruit will work in a great way. 
Now, here's another area that I want to get a hold of in your spirit here that I think is so essential. And that is this. I want to, I want to attack insecurity in your life right now. Insecurity along with this victim mentality will put you in a position that your love will become less, less, less. Your hope will become less, less, less until it's hopeless. Your faith will become less, less, less until there's faithless. There's a thing, there's something that you can do to get rid of insecurity in your life that will make you very soft, but yet never, ever easily offended. Do you ever notice in our society right now, everybody's easily offended? I'm on the freeway. People are not very nice anymore. There's just, there's, we, we are in a culture right now where everybody's easily offended. That's because we've been listening to the wrong voices. You got voices from the world system that take you got voices from friends, from people that don't know the word that say certain things to you that you're using to determine who you are. The problem with that is they're not the creator. If you want to know who you are, what you need to do, oh my goodness, you need to hear from the creator of what he says you are. Not what the neighborhood says you are, not what our country says you are, but what God says you are. My Bible says that I'm an overcomer before I ever overcome anything. My Bible says I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only. My Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. My Bible says that I'm the apple of God's own eye. My Bible says that I'm chosen by God. I'm a king and a priest unto God. My Bible says that I, when I stand before God, I am blameless because of the blood of Christ in my life. Man. When you begin to talk to yourself like that, you begin to get it into your heart and you realize who you are. One of my favorite verses is this, 1 John, as he is Jesus, so am I in this world. You need to get up every morning and say as Jesus is, so am I. As Jesus is seated in heavenly places, I am seated in heavenly places. As Jesus has all things under his feet, I have all things under my feet. When you do that, it drives out insecurity because insecurity is the result of a bad identity. Look at the world that we're in today. People can't decide whether or not they're a girl or a boy. Just look at your shorts. We have a society that is so messed up. I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't like to be doing politics right now, but we have a bill coming up. Which one's it called? What's the number of it? Anyway, it's coming up. Please vote on it because it will keep these homosexual, this bisexual, Thing being taught to our kids in school amen I don't need my grandkids sitting in school and having some pagan 
teach them that hey you may not be a boy you may be a girl no there he's a boy are you listening to me church the world we live in is confused that's because they don't know who they are in Christ they base it upon accomplishments if you accomplish this you're this person if you drive this kind of car you're this person if you have this kind of look you're this person if you have this kind of build you're this person but what we need to do is go back and find out what God says we are and God says we are overcomers God says that your success is not determined by whether or not you accomplish something it's determined by what I say you are and I said you're an overcomer before you ever ever accomplished anything I said that you were a child of God I said come on that I was going to restore you there's power in this but this is why people struggle with insecurity and I look here's the result of it look up in the screen uh, uh, Matthew 18:6. Whoever causes one of these little, little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of the offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Listen, we all get offended, but not everybody stays offended. If you stay offended you stepped out of the will of God. And it's probably because you don't know your true identity. Let me give you an example of this. When you stay offended, it means that you haven't forgiven somebody. Don't shout me down, because I'm preaching right. Forgiveness is two-way. It is vertical and it's horizontal. Vertical means this. It means that when you gave your life to Christ, Jesus forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future, and to him who has forgiven much, loves much, and then horizontally, we forgive because we have been forgiven. In other words, it's, it's, it's this part that gives us the ability to forgive. If you haven't been forgiven by God, you're not gonna be able to forgive others. But if you've been forgiven by God, you're gonna be able to forgive others. It's powerful. You remember the Gulf War? The Gulf War, we took on an army that was the fourth largest in the world. And in the Gulf War, the ground offense was simple and easy, and, and we just wiped them up. But it wasn't because of the ground. It was the aerial. It was the bombing that's what gave the ground game the victory it's the aerial with us it's Christ forgiving us it's God loving you when no one would love you and take your sins away that's what gives you the power in the ground game where you can go to the most terrible people and forgive them because I've been forgiven and you go to the most horrible person and walk in love towards them because I've been loved by God even when I didn't want him praise God that was done that aerial was done when Jesus went to the cross and he bombed our sins and he destroyed church help me out man that's why people get offended they don't know how much they've been forgiven 
They become insecure about their true identity. Remember John the Baptist? He had some religious come to him one time and, and they said to him, he said, you know, uh, who are you? You're out here preaching of a storm, taking people from my church. Who are you? You know what he said? He didn't say, well, I studied at Western Seminary or I came out of this family. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He took them back to Scripture. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make the path of the Lord. Come on. That he went back. His identity was tied up in the scriptures. It wasn't tied up in philosophy. wasn't tied up in psychology. wasn't tied up with the, with the ideas of man. It was tied up in scripture. When Jesus taught scripture, he always talked about himself in the scripture because his identity was in the scripture. Remember when the devil tempted Jesus, he tempted his identity. He said, if you be the son of God, turn this rock into bread. If you be the son of God, jump off the temple, or temple here and, and the angels will catch him and everybody will follow you. He was testing his identity. Why? Because when the spirit came upon him, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. He knew who he was. So if you're insecure... It comes from your mouth. If you're secure in Christ, it comes because you declare what God's word says about you. And you speak to yourself about that. The Bible said, fight the good fight of faith. It didn't say to fight with each other. The Bible, Paul said that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Our enemy are not people. It's the forces that influence them. Can you say amen? I want you to write this down. This will change your life forever. Write this down. Negative strongholds come from repetition. Say it with me. Negative strongholds come from repetition. Say it again. Negative strongholds come from repetition now when I say a stronghold I'm talking about something in your life that is a pattern that demonic spirits oppress you in this area it's more than the natural it's demonic pressure that comes in they found a doorway into your life and they oppress you and they push you now to give you an example of this in scripture you remember when Peter denied the Lord three times Three times he said, I don't know him. Three times. After he repented, after Jesus appeared to him, we see Jesus talking to him after the resurrection, and he says this to him. He says, Peter, if you love me, feed, feed my sheep. Peter said, I love you. Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. I love you. And then he said it the third time. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. But why did he say it three times? He was breaking the stronghold that he had said when he denied the Lord Jesus.
Many of us have strongholds of things that we've said and we've said and we've said, we said we can't do it. I just don't feel good enough. I don't feel like anyone listens to me. And we said it and we said it and we said it and we said it and there's demonic activity that is oppressing us in that. What you gotta do is replace it with the word and start saying what the word says. Start declaring what the word says. And some of you gotta say it hundreds of times because you've been saying it all your life. Because you need to break that satanic stronghold that has been holding you back. There's a reason why generation after generation ends up on welfare. There's a reason why generation of generation ends up homosexuals, lesbians, the things like that. There's a reason. It's all, it's all in patterns. They begin to think a thought that is evil and they repeat it and they repeat it and it brings the same results every time every time let's break the pattern man let's break the pattern let me show you a verse look at them in James here I want you to see this verse and it's going to show you how to break the pattern whether we bless God, our God and Father whether we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursings my brethren these things ought not to be so now watch this does a spring spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening can a fig my brethren bear olives or grapevine bear figs thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh he's talking about your words in other words what you say in private needs to be said in public if you just say it in public and say something different in private it's not really fresh water it's salt you know what I'm saying when you're in public you may say the right things about your wife but when you're out with your friends do you say the right thing about your wife when you're with your friends and your husband's with her what you say about your husband is that the same thing you said when you go out with your girlfriends or do you change because if you change, then what you said the first time wasn't fresh water. In other words, there has to be a, a consistency in the private and the public words that come out of your mouth. Jesus said it this way to Abram. He said, I want you to change you and your wife's name from Abra, Abram to Abraham, which means the father of nations, and from Sarah to Sarah, which means princess, and he said that because in order to do it, he would change his name privately and publicly. Jesus said this. He said, if you don't declare me before men publicly, I will not declare you before my father privately. Are you catching what I'm saying here? In other words, there's a parallel here that God says, okay, let's renew our minds. Let's say what God's word says about us to ourselves and let's do it in private and let's do it publicly if Joseph had not revealed his dream publicly he never would have ended up to become prime minister of Egypt if you just say it by yourself it's not the whole thing you got to be consistent and there's power in this because when you get this pattern moving in your life, it will produce a supernatural, powerful blessing 
in your life. Let me sum it up with this, because this will help you. If you're going to attack the lack in your life, you gotta do these things. But this is one thing that helps so much. Write this down, you gotta have tunnel vision concerning your faith. Tunnel vision is when all you do is see what's in front, you're not, you don't see the things on the side. We need tunnel vision in our faith. We can't be moved by this distraction, that distraction, what someone said, what some uncle said, what some preacher said. We got to stay on the promise of God and stay focused in on the promise of God and, 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 and become single-minded towards our visions and dreams and become tunnel-minded. Tunnel vision. You remember when Abraham was believing for his wife to get pregnant. It says that he considered not his own body now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he didn't consider the fact he was impotent. He didn't consider the fact that she had passed menopause. He didn't consider that. He had tunnel vision. He focused in on the promise we live in a world that's got this distraction, that distraction, this distraction, this distraction. We gotta home in on the, on the word. And as you home in on the word, I'll tell you what, it'll produce great blessings in your life. Let me close with this. Many of us here today, we've been in this pandemic way too long. COVID has become like a dirty word to me. Everything revolves around it. And it really has the power, if you, if you let it, to destroy your hope, destroy your love, and destroy your faith. But there's something that God teaches in the scripture that is so comforting to me. God doesn't wait until I accomplish something for him to say, that's who I am. He doesn't do that. Gideon hadn't accomplished anything before the angel of the Lord said get in you're a mighty man of valor or you're a hero here's a guy that's a low achiever here's a guy that's not done anything significant in the least of the families of Israel and the angel said you're a mighty man of valor you're a hero but I haven't done anything I haven't broken any records. I haven't conquered any battles. I haven't removed any mountains. I haven't done anything. Why? Because God calls those things which are not as though they were. God will call you victorious before you get victorious because he knows once you believe you're a champion, then his word can work through you. Once you believe you're an overcomer, then his word can work through you. Once, once you believe that you are what God says you are, you will stand up with boldness and take on the things of the devil and not look back and press in and thank God for his mercy and grace and say no weapon's going to overtake me I'm more than a conqueror I'm the head and not the tail and I'll get the last laugh because everything's under my feet and Jesus is my Lord Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.